Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show coming to you every single Saturday from over here in the United Kingdom. We've got a really busy show today. It's a very, it's a very Kylo Ren-centric show today, which I don't think we intended upon, but we do have a fair bit of Kylo goodness coming your way, along with a random spotlight that is as badass as they come and some other pretty cool stuff that we've seen in the world of Star Wars this week. I am Mark Asquith, one of your hosts, and the better looking of the two is joining me as well, Mr. Gary Aylert. How are you doing, dude? I'm very well, thank you. I missed you last week, buddy. Missed it was you. a good episode, though. Tom's a guy, man. Tom's a good guy. Did you enjoy enjoy talking gaming? Because I know that's right up your street. Yeah, it was awesome. And what's really cool about Tom is he's a classic guy as well. So all of his sort of gaming passion for Star Wars goes back to those old glory days of LucasArts and all those old Star Wars games so I'm, I'm a big sucker for that lot so yeah it was amazing to talk through and he's just he's a, a great guy in general and knows his Star Wars stuff so yeah it was good. Yeah Tom is a sound guy and Tom I know you're listening so thanks so much for last week real pleasure to have you on and uh, to see you in the in the in the co-pilot seat of the Sparker Rebellion show so thanks again dude much appreciated and of course to all of our other patrons over on Patreon speaking of which you can get involved over there if you like if you want some swag Sparker Rebellion swag if you want some exec producer credit maybe you want to get involved and record your own random spotlight maybe you want to get involved and just come on the show and be a part of an episode. You can do all of that and take your pick over at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. And if you're on the line, which I know you are on the internets, you can check us out on all the social media channels as well. Just search for spark of rebellion and we will be there. So before we dive in, guys, what's been going on, dude? How's your Star Wars week been? What, what have you been up to in the world of Star Wars? Well, in the aftermath of last week's show which was very gaming focused as you said i jumped on to i've got xbox game pass which is this really cool you probably know our listeners but it's a really cool library of games that the xbox has of current games modern games it's backwards compatible all that jazz and they have got quite a few star wars games on there so after we spoke about the force unleashed on last week's show i jumped on and installed that they've got both of them on there so i've Currently got about halfway through the first of the Force Unleashed games, which is an awesome game, dude. I've forgotten how cool that game actually is. And I think it's uh I think they've taken a fair bit of inspiration from that for the upcoming uh, Fallen Order game that's out later on in the year. It's very much that style of run and slash, hack and slash with lightsabers kind of thing. And uh, but more importantly, I couldn't remember if I played the second one. So I've got that downloaded and installed as well. So once I've gone through the first one, I'm going to smash through that as well. So yeah, I've also played a fair bit of Battlefront as well, Battlefront 2. 
so I haven't watched or read anything Star Wars, but I have played and whooped plenty of ass in Star Wars gaming, so that's all good. Nice, man. That's a good shout. Do you know I need to get in on this Xbox Game Pass? I'm, uh, as you know, you and I played a bit of Battlefront, and that got me back into gaming. I've not touched it for a long, long time, but I'm, I'm really starting to get back into that. So I'm thinking, I think I've got like a three-month Xbox Live Pass that I got, and I think I might, once that's done, just jump onto this old Game Pass, because it does seem like insane value, and they're just adding more and more onto it all the time. So I should probably get involved in that, shouldn't I? I would say you have to get involved in that. It's mm. not optional. Uh, but what's cool, though, is I think you can do... I think they've got an offer on at the minute where you can you can bolt on the Game Pass for a, a dollar or a pound, whatever it is. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's good value. Do you know, I'm going to do that this weekend, bro. I'm going to do that. Because I've been thinking about a golf game. I used to love the old Tiger Woods games where you could play Pebble Beach and go around in like 40 strokes because of the way that you hacked <laughs> the uh, the power sensors. So, I'm, yeah, I want to I wanna, I wanna relive some of those days. But that's cool, dude. I think it's... Uh, it's something to get into. Those Force Unleashed games were absolutely amazing. Um, they were really, really good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to dig that out. You've inspired me. My week this week has been um, reading. I've got into two new Star Wars books. Now, interestingly as well, Thor- uh, Throne Treason came out this week on the 23rd of July. I've not yet started that, but that's got pretty decent reviews. Apparently, it does a heck of a lot for the Star Wars canon, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but... From my side, it's been on the Kindle getting into the Alphabet Squadron book, which is a little difficult to follow in its first chapters because it's kind of introducing all these different factions and characters. Um, but then as you dig into it a little bit further, it brings in uh, Harris Indula from obviously from Rebels and um, you know we've seen her in various other bits of literature as well. So that's really, really cool. And then the other one that I've been... I've been diving into on Audible is Dooku Jedi Lost, which is super. It's really, really, really good, man. It's uh, it's not a book, it's an audio drama. So, you know, almost kind of like Inside Star Wars, that same kind of, that same kind of production value where it's all been acted out. It's, you know, you've got the, you've actually got the Star Wars soundtrack in there. You've got Yoda's theme in there. And it's really interesting because it's, 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 it's brought to us from the perspective of uh, Asajj Ventress after she was a, a Padawan, you know, Asajj from the Clone Wars and from Rebels and a few other places. She'll assume Rebels, maybe. Um, so she's like, you know, this old Padawan of a, a, a Jedi and then gets brought in by Dooku and it's kind of this whole investigative background about her finding out about Dooku's past and him as a kid and the whole Sith artifacts and Qui-Gon and Rael Avaros and you know, Yoda's uh, influence on it. Like, it's just this really well put together book. So I highly recommend that if you fancy it. Um, I think it's on Audible for like one credit, which is well worth it. So that's that's been my week, my week dude. Have you have you done anything with that? Have you seen that? Have you got that on your list or anything? Yeah, so I've got that. The actual book of that comes out in September. So if audio books nice. is not your thing, which they should be because they're awesome, the the actual book is out September. But no, it's another it's another thing that's on the list. I can't start it yet because I've got another book to get through. So at the moment, I'm reading Plagueis. Uh, after that, I've got Master and Apprentice. So possibly after that, I'll dive into it. I've also got a couple of other books that I picked up a while ago. I need to read the third um, of the Chuck Wendig Aftermath series books. Mm-hmm. And I need to read um, uh, the Han Solo book. I think it's called First Shot. Mm-hmm. I think, yep. So I've got a few to get through. So I might slot that in there after Master and Apprentice, but it, it looks awesome. It looks like, because Dooku's such a, he's a he's a big character from the prequels, but 
not a lot is known about his origins and so on. So I, so have you listened to all of the audio book then, or have you just got it to listen to? I'm about uh, a third of the way into it. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's good, man. It's very, very good. Nice surprise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting that it's, uh, it's, it's from that perspective of, of, of Ventress, which mm-hmm. you don't see, like you, you know, you see her background as a Padawan as well, which is really insightful from from that side of things. You see some of Yoda's behaviors and the the Jedi. It's interesting actually because the paint they are painting the Jedi in a lot of this new canon extended universe stuff. The paint of the Jedi really out to be quite apathetic and you know kind of sitting on this hubris that they've got um, to the point where. It's almost leading up to the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones where you've got people saying, other Jedi saying things like, look, you know, I, I don't believe the Sith are gone. We need to prepare for this. And Yoda actually all out saying, no, we don't. You know, we don't need to prepare for this. It's all good. They've gone. And whether that's just a front and whether there's actually something behind the scenes that he's preparing for, you don't know. But it's interesting how they're painting the Jedi as opposed to how they've been painted in the past. So that's that's definitely, once you've read it, I think there's definitely a big discussion point there, dude. I would say so, mate. I can't wait to review that, actually. We should talk about that on the show, that Dooku story, because it is a bit of a novelty. It's not just the standard book. They have, they did go all in with the audio production, so we should talk about that once you've listened to it, and I've listened to it. Yeah. Yes, we should. All right, let's dig in. So, some of the news for this week. Obviously, we had San Diego Comic-Con last week. There was a pile of news that came out of Comic-Con, and I'm sure we're going to be picking up on some of this over the next few weeks because there was quite a lot to digest from movies to toys to books to comic books, which is where we're headed right now. It seems that in The Rise of Skywalker, the Knights of Ren that we first saw in The Force Awakens and who were unceremoniously left out of The Last Jedi, you know, albeit for storytelling reasons, are going to be, I I don't know if it's front and centre, but they're certainly going to be given a lot of attention in the Rise of Skywalker, and to kind of back up onto that, we have a new comic book from Charles Sewell, who is he's highly regarded, he's done DC stuff, a heck of a lot of DC stuff, he's no stranger to Star Wars, and he is putting out a Kylo Ren comic book, a four-issue miniseries, and it's interesting this, it's coming in December, just before episode nine, Rise of Skywalker, the front cover of it is Kylo Ren with the helmet on and the Knights of Ren surrounding him. And I think there's a number of interesting parts to this, in my view. Number one, the fact that we're getting another comic book series when we already know Snoke's getting some attention. I I imagine that we're going to get some Skywalker stuff coming up as well. And now, obviously, we're getting this Kylo Ren, Knights of Ren-focused miniseries. It just is interesting. You know, are are they trying to flesh histories out prior to the film are they just giving us fan service i don't know but that's what's coming what's your take on that dude what are you thinking hmm i think this could go one of two ways you know i think this could be amazing and it will leave fans wanting more they want like a proper run a kylo ren run uh, within either within the, the marvel um, main range or his own like proper run or they'll be like yeah we've already seen little snippets of this story in you know force awakens and whatever and we've already had a bunch of knights of ren stuff that we've just about seen or we were about to watch in the rise of skywalker this doesn't really paint any you know any more of a larger picture than stuff we already know so it depends on how much i'm always dubious about these 
little mini series comics that they put out because I think in isolation they can be really cool, really good. But I think when you try and do two, if you're going to try and dive into the lore and the characters' um, background and stuff, you've really got to plan that well because you've only got four issues to do that. And they're just standard comic sizes, aren't they? They're not like mm-hmm. trade paperbacks or anything. So I don't know. I'm in two minds. I think it does. Also, I don't know where I'm going to put any more comics. I'm running out of room. I've got a couple of comic boxes, which are almost full. So this might have to be a digital version. What about you? You, you, read, you read digitally now, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So I did that around two shots time when we were doing that. I, it, I just ran out of room, dude. I'm the same. I've got two or three comic boxes. And, uh, you know, I mean, you could spend a fortune on this. You could really spend a fortune <laughs> on it. So I do I do read it digitally because ultimately I think, you know, things like this, I think you're totally right. You know, you can't go too far with them. So unless you're a collector or a super fan, which we are fans of Star Wars, but we're probably not going to reread these comic books. Once you know the story, you know the story. It's one of those. Whereas, you know, something like a Kenobi book or a, something like a, an Aftermath trilogy or a Thrawn, you know, in 10 years' time, you probably will dig them back out again. So, yeah, digitally, and 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 I agree with you. And I I, I don't see it being a long term thing for kind of Marvel or whoever else is putting these out. But I see it being more of a look. There are some characters coming. You've not seen much about them. If we throw them in with no backstory, any loss or any impact that they have on the story in the movie is going to be lessened if you don't know anything about them. So for those guys that do want to know a little bit more about them, here's this one-shot, four-issue miniseries that you can go and check out. And I think it, it's probably going to tie to, you know, Luke's second Jedi Academy. It's going to give a bit of insight into Ben's potential fall. If it is a fall, we'll get to that in a sec. And I, I just think it's one of those where it's probably not a necessity, but for Uber fans like us, it's just going to be one of those where it's like, ah, okay, wait a minute. So this is this. And wait a minute, that Knight of Ren, even though we don't know him, he's got a surname that's kind of familiar. And it's, you know, it's, it's all these little ties that they do. Like like in the Dooku book, you know, his best friend is Cypher Dias. And you're like, ah, that's Cypher Dias. And those little bits of connective tissue are what bring the uber geeks out of the woodwork like us. And I just think it's one of those, man. Fills a little bit of story in. Um, and that's about it. I don't. I don't think it's going to be that good. I think it's just going to be one of those where you get it and it's it's all right. Gives us a bit more knowledge, but I can't see it being something that is essential because why would you undo your movie? You know, it's it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because it comes out just before the movie lands. There's obviously going to be no spoilers, so it can't be too heavy on the story because, like you said, you're not going to ruin the film that you're just about to put out with a bunch of spoilers and character backstory. So I think it'd be an entertaining little read, but... Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, mate. I don't think it's going to be essential reading for Star Wars fans, put it that way. Mm. Yeah, we shall see. It's coming out in December. Check it out. It's from Charles, Sewell and Marvel. And just it'll be available everywhere, but we'll be getting that digitally, I'm sure. Now, the next bit of news is potentially Kylo Ren oriented, maybe. It comes from CBR.com and it came out a couple of weeks ago. And it's some concept art for the rise of Skywalker that is kind of being speculated upon because it's showing a fiery planet, a fiery planet. And hinting potentially, we think, maybe at a bit of background on the Sith or at least the dark side of the Force. So we'll put the link in the show notes. You can check it out in the show notes. But 
the, the speculation is, is this Mustafa or is this the Sith planet of Moraband, which we saw, I believe, at the back end of the Clone Wars when Yoda went on his pilgrimage. And uh, there was a couple of other people, I think, that went to Moraband throughout the series and maybe maybe even in Rebels. I don't know if Maul did something on Moraband in, in Rebels. Maybe I'm just lying and making that up. But we've seen both planets. We know they're both dark side oriented and we know they're both pretty badass. Um, again, what do you think of this, dude? You know, the concept out always looks pretty sweet and... I can see them going to a planet like this if the Emperor's involved in the Rise of Skywalker. But where's your, again, where's your head at with it? What are you thinking? I think this is... It's it's either all about Vader or it's not. I think if they're going down this road of... And we've got another story coming up in a minute, actually, which ties into this a little bit. But I think if they're going to go down the road of Kylo is trying to... Uh, connect with Vader in some way or wants to research Vader, whatever it might be along those lines, then it's Mustafar. I, I think if you're going to connect Vader into the storyline somehow, which they probably will do, I'm guessing, because we had the famous scene in The Force Awakens where he's got Vader's charred, barbecued head and he's, you know, talking to it. And then we've got the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker with the Emperor back in some shape or form. So I think that I think the money's on this being Mustafar because I think it's going to be some kind of Vader uh, connected into the storyline somewhere. However, I think if they were to go to Moraband, I think that would be equally as cool because Moraband is obviously the 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 ancient dead world now of the the old Sith. You know, that's their origins and everything. They've got the huge um, Sith uh, temples there, the tombs, all that stuff. So I think in terms of if they wanted to dive into some of the old backstory and lore around the Sith, then it would be the perfect place to go and explore all that stuff. But, you know, if it's going to be more Vader-focused, the, the storyline with Kylo and stuff, then my money's on on Mustafar. But either way, um, I'm really excited about that. I think we've seen loads of cool stuff in the, at the moment around, obviously, Skywalker being in the title of the film and all that stuff and it's all kind of you know it's all the whole chat is around the skywalker saga and all that stuff but we all know that really the story of star wars in this you know prequels ot and now this really is around around vader and anakin really so i think if they can bring him back into it at the, the forefront they've got to be mustafar dude are you going to flip a coin on this or are you, are you going to call it because i know you're really good at calling stuff well that's just based on our dc comics chat earlier that's all that is. Um, I, I I don't know. I think I think when we get to the the discussion section about Kylo, I think it will maybe become clearer that Anakin is the the, the play on this one. Like you said, it's Vader. Um, the only potential that I'm thinking here is that if you're a movie exec and you are Disney, and you've got two potentially new trilogies coming out. You know, maybe maybe Ryan Johnson's still doing his, but you've certainly got Benioff and Weiss doing theirs, and they're going back to the Old Republic. Do you sow the seeds for the general casual moviegoer who doesn't care about any Star Wars that isn't Skywalker or Han Solo? Do you sow the seeds of something else and you get someone like a Darth Revan or a... Plagueis or what you know so just some kind of Sith 
in there where almost like Marvel have done, where it's like, wait a sec, don't know what that is, but when I see it again in a trailer in two years, I'm going to remember this. That's my only, and it's almost like a cold, hard business naivety about it. I, from a story perspective, I think Vader's the player. I think you're absolutely bang on. But I've just got this little nagging doubt where I'm like, yeah, but if I was an exec and I'm spending all this money on unknown characters in the Star Wars universe, I should probably do something to at least tease them. Um, so that's my only thing. Is Are they going to do that and just say, look, the Emperor was doing all this dodgy stuff on Moribund and... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's my only little gambit that I would say. Yeah, no, I, I can, I read you. I know what you're saying on that, mate. Um, the only other place it could be, I think you mentioned this earlier is in, in rebels when Ezra and, uh, they meet Maul, don't they? Maul sort of lures them into the Sith temple. That's a place called Malachor. Ah, that was the one. I knew it was an M. Yeah, so that it could be that, but that's not really a kind of fiery volcanic place. That's more of a sort of wastelandy, you know, scorched place itself. But you never know. The options are out there. Roll the yeah. dice. <laughs> Roll the dice, baby. I don't know. It's uh, it's a difficult <laughs> thing to call anything with Star Wars, dude. We're all just speculating, but. But, 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 I, I'm starting to see that they're doing a little bit more in fan service as well. I know the, like, it feels like the legend stuff, the, the old EU stuff that they were doing, like, obviously it was amazing, but it feels like that was really for, for the fans insofar as, look, we just want more of this, so let's just keep doing it. Whereas this seems to be much more around conscientiously connecting, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying the legends wasn't trying to do that, but... It feels like everything that they're doing now is very, very measured versus before. It was just, here's this universe, go and play in it within these rules. Now everything's, like, there's a story group, you know? So, I don't know. We'll see. We shall see, dude. But uh, exciting nonetheless. I think it's, it's good to see that some of the, potentially the old places that we saw in the prequels, um, which I think gives more credibility to your theory of it being Mustafar, I think they're, they're trying to connect the prequels and the o OT with this. So... Yeah, I'm going to go with Mustafa where you actually do. I think you've swayed me on that one. I've swayed All right. you. I've charmed you. You've, you. Cha the, you've charmed me. You've got you want to come down to Chasers later? Probably going to celebrate. Yeah? You bring your boyfriend? <laughs> He's exploring yourself <laughs> and so, Asia. Okay. Me, Lager, Gaz, Lager, Finchy. Finchy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on from the office quotes. The... We've got two little bits of news, actually. The, 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 the next one is something that I just absolutely adored, and it's only a quick one. We don't need to spend too much time on this one. I just wanted to throw it in there because, I, honestly, man, I could geek out on this for so long. Like, I'm a continuity freak. I am that guy, and I love knowing when things happen in context with other things. I am almost anal and annoying about this. Like, I would not possibly go back and read the Plagueis book because I'd be like, well, it's not canon anymore, so it doesn't count. I, rather than enjoy it, I'd just be like, nah, man. Like, I would cut my nose off to spite my canonical face. <laughs> so when I saw this, I was like, this is fantastic. So, you know, they've got in the in the beginning of all of the new books in the Star Wars timeline, they've got that little Del Rey timeline, haven't they? It's like Clone Wars is here. Then they've got the original trilogy and the prequels and all that kind of stuff. And in between, it tells you where the book you're reading fits in with everything else. Even includes like Rebels and the Clone Wars TV shows. Well, Del Rey have put that online. So there's now this interactive timeline over on Random House Books um, that is brilliant. It's like this nice, simple JavaScript-led 
piece of kit and it just it's got the millennium falcon flying on there it's got the death star on there and obviously it's a way to get people to buy books and stop googling um you know reddit versions of this but it's just this interactive timeline of all the del rey books and you just scroll along off you go it includes all of the movies you've got everything in there and it just makes life as a fan really really easy so i can see i'm on it right now and i can see that the book alphabet squadron that i'm reading is right in between the first and the second aftermath novels and right after battlefront and then i can see right at the beginning of it the earliest book is not master and apprentice anymore it's actually dooku jedi lost so it's just really exceptionally useful dude so that's delray books timeline now it doesn't include um it doesn't include some of the stuff in in too much depth such as the clone wars tv shows like you don't get anything in terms of information like if you hover over a book in the timeline you get all the information the summary the synopsis and a couple of links on it with the clone wars tv show for example you don't get that but rather than omit it they put the logo in and say well this happened kind of like around here so it's really comprehensive man it's really really good i think everyone should check this out I love this, dude. As a designer, um, I appreciate the, the just the visual aspect where you can literally scroll along left to right across the timeline. And there was a few books in here that I didn't realise were in this order. In my head, I had these a couple of books like Phasma. I thought that was a lot earlier on, um, and also the Heir to the Jedi, the Luke Skywalker book. I thought that was much earlier in the timeline, but it's not. You got all the Thrawn stuff before that. Um, and yeah, it's just a, like you said, it's a fantastic little, little site and it's uber useful if you, and just to also mention this has none of the legends stuff in it. This is all just the canon quote unquote proper Star Wars stories, um, from start to finish. And I can, uh, certainly agree with what Mark said earlier. He is very anal about this. In fact, the very first interaction that you and I ever had was years ago on Twitter when you forwarded me the timeline that you would put together of all of the DC comic graphic novels and films and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. boy, I wanted to do this very thing. In fact, I started building it in JavaScript and <laughs> you did had a bit, a bit of design overlay doing this for the DC timeline because I was finding it so hard to know where to start. So I was going to do everything post-crisis up to New 52 in 2011 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, yes, this is, this is like, uh, it's not music to my ears. Uh, music to my eyes i don't know <laughs> yes uh yeah that was um that was my oh the death stars just popped up on my screen as well because the millennium falcon flies by sort of every minute or so but the death star just creeps in very slowly from the left it's a nice little touch yeah it's awesome isn't it it's really good and it just it, it, it makes you in my opinion it makes you enjoy things a little bit more because you start to see what is going on and when it's going on and um, as an example of that, like things like Lords of the Sith, which I think is an amazing book, taking place like around the same time as uh, Tarkin and, and some of the Throne books that are going on, First, the, the first Throne book in particular. There are little events that just cross over across all of these, but not only that, like motivations from people where you will like a characterization, you will understand that Tarkin is doing something or he's acting a certain way because he's acted that way for another reason in a different book, like in his own book. And you're not, like in the movies, you just see these characters acting as they act. You don't get that much depth of them unless it's Anakin or a Luke or a Leia or a Han or a Vader. These peripheral characters, even the Emperor, 
unless you watch the prequels, you don't get that much from him. But because they've grouped these books pretty tightly, you do start to say, well, wait a second, all right, the Tarkin that I thought I knew, actually, this is not abnormal behaviour. Like, the first time I read that he was behaving like that, I thought it was weird, but now, actually, it was the way he was acting in the movie that was weird. Like, destroying Alderaan, it was was purely a way of um, getting back at the princess. That is, And you, you start to see those motivations play out. And that's why I think this timeline does so well, is it helps you understand, actually, that this is just all one jigsaw, one story. Um, so everyone should check this out. We'll stick a link in the show notes. But it's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you like it, dude. It is. It's awesome. Uh, and last bit of news. Um, this is a funny little quirky fanny... Uh, fanny? Quirky little fanny, fanny, fanny bit. Uh, quirky little fanny bit. Uh, there's a guy that popped up in The Empire Strikes Back in the scene where it all kicks off and Lando essentially says, look, everyone in Cloud City, it's all about to kick off any minute now. The Empire's on their way. They can't shoot that well, but seeing as you guys don't have blasters, it's not going to end that well. So pack your stuff, get out. And then you saw very quickly this guy legging across the corridor and he was holding this thing that can only be described. And this is what's so cool about this. For years, fans have called this the ice cream maker. And uh, the reason for that is because it looks exactly like an ice cream maker. And it's uh, a character called Wilro Hood. And he's only on screen for literally like two seconds, if that. But he, you see him legging out somewhere. Uh, anyway... This uh, little detail, tiny little detail, has made its way uh, after years and years right into uh, canon um, in terms of the TV series and linked into what this thing actually is because even the story group and people at Lucasfilm have never commented on what this thing actually is. But it turns out it's actually a safe, portable safe. I think the other word that they use to describe it is a, uh, a Camtono, which is an interesting word, the Camtono. And it's popped up in the new series of The Mandalorian, no less. So there's a, a little picture that Jon Favreau popped up on his Instagram. Uh, when was this? A little while ago now. And it's like a proper, like it's a prop that's been remade for The Mandalorian, but it's based on that early design of the of the ice cream maker from The Empire Strikes Back. And uh, I love these little, little, why they had no reason at all to do this. There's, nobody said like, John, we know we've got the Mandalorian coming up. We really need to get the ice cream maker in there. That's like a priority. You know, nobody said that at all. It's just lovely that they've taken this tiny little thing that's been a bit of a fan, you know, piss take for, for years and they've slotted it in there. So, um, yeah, I, I love this, dude. I love little things like this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, that. And like you said, it's kind of back to that blue milk thing that we said, you know, months ago where... It's just this random little thing that pop culture picks up on and then suddenly it becomes a, a viral sensation and then it it, it it can just stay like that, but then you get some geek that's like of our generation, maybe a touch older, John Favreau, I apologise, maybe a tad older, that just thinks, do you know what? Again, bit of fan service. Let's pick that up and run with it. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you. I think stuff like that is outstanding because there is no reason to it. It doesn't add anything but it doesn't take anything away if it's not there. Like, there is quite simply no other reason than it's just really cool to do it. So, yeah, I thought that was a great spot, dude. Nice work finding that. Yeah, it's cool. And if you think about it, a safe makes a lot more sense as well. Like, if you've been told to evacuate Bespin, 
you're not going to take an ice cream maker with you in all seriousness. You are going to pop a few valuables in there and then do the off. So, but I don't know. I reckon if you're on like a, a shuttle that's escaping somewhere, you're going to need ice cream. There's going to be kids well, on board. Come on. Exactly. It's, <laughs> someone's earning too much money if they can leave ice cream makers behind just willy-nilly. <laughs> this is crazy. This What's is crazy. And it, you don't know. It might have been his wedding anniversary. It could have got that as a present or his little birthday. And he's just like, do you know what? No. No, no, no. <laughs> this Life is not doing this to me. I'm taking this. <laughs> this could be like day one. Of, of like being married and his missus is like the ice cream maker is the best gift that we've had ever if that goes missing because i'm hearing rumblings of the empire so if we do have to evacuate and you don't remember the ice cream maker there's going to be hell to pay and you can see the the clip the screenshot that you always see of him legging across the look on his face actually says my wife's going to kill me if i don't take the ice cream maker <laughs> it's, it's all in his face is that, yeah, is, you can imagine her saying that and him being like, that's never going to happen. Luckily, that is pretty safe. And then bing, bang, bong, Lando here. Guess what? A couple of things. Going to need to leave. And he's like, oh, you are joking me. Can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I love stuff like that. All right, guys, listen, we're going to dig into the review and discussion section in just one sec, which I think is going to be really tasty, really, really tasty. Really looking forward to this one. But before we do that, remember that if you want to be a part of the Rebellion, if you want to join the Spark of Rebellion crew, become that exec producer, maybe even guest on the show yourself by recording your very own random spotlight. You can do so by heading over to Patreon. That's right. Every cent that we earn through Patreon, we put back into Spark of Rebellion to make it even better for you. So please, if you do want to get involved, we'd really appreciate it. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. Now, the review and discussion. This is a mighty meaty one. So there's a bit of a theory going around. It's not a bit of a theory, actually. It's a really big meaty theory. And it got picked up by, by the Daily Express in the UK, obviously very well known for their pop culture and very well known for their fan theories, but they picked it up. It's a big old theory from, um, I forget the person, Shadow Council, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that Kylo Ren all along has been undercover. He's been Jack Bauer in it, in, you know, Jack Bauer season three, 24, when he goes undercover. <laughs> Kylo's been doing the same. Everything that he's done, including killing Han, has been all leading to him kind of having a notion, maybe through dark side sense or through whatever, that Palpatine's not really gone. Palpatine's not dead. That obviously there's a lot of bad crap coming and that someone should do something about it. And this is the, this is the, the theory, is that everything Kylo's done has been leading up to him coming out as being undercover as a resistance fighter or as a Jedi embedded either by Luke or of his own volition. It's a it's a big old theory, but to its credit, there's as much in its favour as there is to argue against it when you look at the way it's been presented. And honestly, I don't go either way on this one. I think it's a really nice theory, but I think it's one of those where you kind of sit on it and think, hmm, Let's just see. But nonetheless, it's extremely interesting. So what do you make of this, dude? Because it is a big one. It's a big theory. Hmm. This is a big one, isn't it? And I think it could change the whole feel and vibe of the 
sequel trilogy as a whole. I think this could literally blow it all inside out. I think, um, yeah, I'm, it's a big one to get your head around because so much has happened with Kylo since The Force Awakens. And I don't know, they've kind of focused on this sort of argument within within himself about this. He, he's obviously a bit of a, a bad dude, but he has this pull to the light. He even admits that uh, a couple of times. So there's this conflict within him. So he's obviously more towards the dark side, but he does have this light. So I don't know, that, that's been the vibe that they've gone for, this internal conflict. And if if this was like a plant by Luke, so say if Luke's like, look, it's a little bit... It's a little bit like Harry Potter. I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but... Uh, of course I am. <laughs> Harry uh, Potter. <laughs> so Professor Snape, this is exactly what Dumbledore did with Professor Snape right at the beginning. He said, look, all this stuff's going to happen and you're going to have to kill me because, you know, Draco's not going to be able to go through with it. You're going to have to do it. But ultimately, this is all going to end. It's all for the greater good. So it, it, it smacks of that kind of thing where Lucas said to Kylo, look, all this bad stuff's going to happen. And ultimately, you're probably going to have to do your, you're going to have to, to kill your dad. Sorry about that, mate. But, you know, it's par for the course. But at the end of it all, there's going to be this real mean bastard that's going to come back and you've got to take him out. This is all, you know, the other part of this uh, theory is that Palpatine is actually back in physical form somewhere, somehow. So Kylo is, yeah, like you said, he's been planted as the, as the mole to do all this bad stuff undercover, Jack Bauer. And then when the time comes, when Palpatine reveals himself, the big return, Kylo can take off his mask, Scooby-Doo style, and it will be Luke and then Bosch. No, I'm just, no. So I don't know. I, I think this is, it's very, it's very far out there, but if it does happen, it'll be like people will lose their shit over it. <laughs> it's an interesting one, man, because it's one of those, because I've always thought Kylo was a bit of like a, a bit of a whiny little bitch. And it's, it's, <laughs> hmm. He's definitely his grandson's, his grandfather's <laughs> grandson. You know, he's channeling Hayden Christiansen's whiny, yeah. but master, whiny. master. This I is an outrage. <laughs> All right, Kylo. God, but is it, I do find it interesting because there are a few nods to it. You know, this whole idea that Palpatine is back. Like, why? First of all, the person to take Palpatine out, as we know, or as we can guess and surmise like luke is the biggest badass in the galaxy why would he sacrifice himself to antagonize his own undercover spy unless kylo just did it and he's doing it of his own volition and luke didn't know um you know why would he go out there and say see you around kid you know what unless again unless that's a double play unless that's an in joke between those you know, I'll see you there. See, I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll be back. Don't L- worry. I'm little wink. Yep. Yeah. Little nudge, 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 wink, wink. Um, and then there was this kind of logic in the theory that when Kylo in the Force Awakens is talking to Vader's helmet, he's not talking to Vader's helmet. He's talking to Anakin. He's talking to the destroyed version of Vader. You know, that represents the destruction of Vader and the the the, the redemption of Anakin. 
And you know, okay, I can, I could get on board with that. I could get on board with that quite nicely. Um, and I wonder if, like, if this does come to fruition, if it does prove to be true, which I do think is a huge, huge stretch. I can't see them doing it, if I'm totally honest with you. But if they do, it's one of those where you think, hmm, does this actually then make The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi better in context? It's like when you look at, when you watch the prequels, as a chapter of the whole sag, you think, all right, okay, individually, they're not amazing, but in the bigger picture, they're actually pretty decent. So, it, I, I don't know, there's, there's just something in it where I think they've obviously got a path in an arc for Kylo, and when you when you add to the mix the fact that J.J. Abrams is very well known for his, his fan service, his foreshadowing, you know, even if you look at, uh, there was something in one of the other theories that came out, in fact, it might have been this one, where you see Han running his finger down Kylo's, or his thumb down Kylo's face, foreshadowing the scar, that he gets, and just little bits like that. This is J.J. Abrams, after all. After all, he's he's not he's not averse to doing stuff like this. Um, and you, I don't know. You just think it could be quite interesting, because what then? What do they do with Rey? Is the rise of Skywalker actually the redemption of Anakin? Because Lucas has always said this is Anakin's story. Um, where does Luke play into it? Where does... I, d- I don't know, man. It's a big, 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 big idea. And I, I, ju- I feel like to pull it off would just be maybe a little bit too far. Like, I don't think audiences would maybe like that. I think it would be too... Maybe too complex, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is a bit of a stretch. I think to reveal that right at the end, like, haha. You know, Kylo wasn't all the he wasn't the bad dude that you all thought he was. He's on some bad stuff, but ultimately he's here to say, Oh yeah, I think that would be a disservice to the cool the coolness that they've built up with his character already. But who knows, man, like you said, this is JJ after all. It's not all about the lens flare. You know, he does have some really cool, like you said, foreshadowing and some story. I mean, he's brilliant at that stuff. So you never know. And somebody did say, somebody who was in who was starred in it or worked on it recently in the last day or two did say that might've been Daisy Ridley. I can't remember. Somebody said that like the last act will completely melt your mind. Somebody well, that was Kevin that. Smith. Oh, was it Kevin Smith? Sorry. Yeah. Cause he, JJ Abrams said to him, <clears throat> um, he was on set and he, he, he was looking around and it turned out that the last shot was the shot they were filming or the set that had been set up. And JJ said to him, look, you can go in there if you want, but I highly recommend that you don't because it will spoil it and the last shot is going to melt your mind. That's right. And that's, you know. You never know. It it. could be Kylo, you know, with a lightsaber through Palpatine's face. And Luke just there in the background, you know, like at the end of Return of the Jedi, just in his brown robes, like, yeah, boy. Yeah, eating some Pringles. Like, yeah, Yeah. we knew this. Yeah, good lad, good lad. And the first word you hear from Obi-Wan, the first time you see him in the sequel trilogy is when that Pringle can open, he's like, hello there. And Luke's like, come on, really? (laughs) You just want my Pringles? (laughs) Dark side Pringles. I don't ever seem to remember owning Pringles. Hmm. (laughs) Good theory though, mate. It's a very interesting one. I, there's going to be so many of these because there's another one that we'll probably talk about last week. Uh, last week, can't talk about it possibly last week. Uh, one that's we're probably going to dig into next week, which is uh, about kind of links back to the Force Awakens. Um, so we'll talk about that one next week. But I think there are going to be three or four more theories that that land. I mean, you know, good lord, Last Jedi. We had we had 
Ray as a Qui-Gon Jinn's kid. We had Ray as a Kenobi. And, uh, you know, we had all sorts of theories running up to that. So I don't, I don't think this has been any different. Um, one question before we move on to the random spotlight, speaking of Ray, what what does your gut tell you they're going to do on the parentage? Mm, nothing. You think they're just going to leave it? Yeah. Even though it's J.J. Abrams and he loves canonical fan service? Uh, I don't know. I think... I don't think they need to. No, I, d- I don't think they'll they'll do. Much. I, I think if they do, it will be really wishy washy. Anyway, yeah. it'll be like Aunt Beru's wedlocked. You know, whatever. It will be like some random cousin of Luke that. You know, yeah, I, I just think it'll be too too wishy washy if they did that. Yeah, fair play, dude. Fair play. All righty then. Let's dig in to the final segment, which is the random spotlight, of course. You guys know that we do this every single week. And today's random spotlight is something that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. It is Mace Windu's beautifully purple lightsaber, which is obviously Samuel all the way. Completely badass. Completely Samuel eld up to the hilt. Excuse the pun. Not even a pun. More just genius, actually. This is just badass, man. Imagine having the ability to dictate to George Lucas, I will be in your Star Wars movie, but I want my own colour lightsaber. And then, the entire Star Wars lore been rewritten to fit that in. Like, it's got its own backstory. Do you know what I mean? Like, just because just because Sam L. Jackson wants to look badass. That's pretty cool, isn't it, dude? That is amazing. I can just picture the conversation as well. Because I think George Lucas resisted at first. I think he did say... It's a great idea and everything, but, you know, we have a very strict rule about this. You know, the the Sith and the baddies, they have the, the red lightsabers and the goodies. You can take your pick between blue and green. It's not a big selection, but that's your pick, blue or green. You can't, you know, he was just like, you know, that look that he's given people in so many films, like, oh, shit. Like, he's about to kick off, like, any second. I can just imagine Samuel Jackson's face, like, looking, just glaring back at him, like, no, 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 no. I don't think you heard me correctly. I'm, 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 not, I, I'm fully aware that you can have blue or green, but that's not what I'm saying. Let me just tell you again. I want a purple lightsaber, not blue or green. <laughs> I want a purple one. And then I think George is just like, okay, let's get somebody get this guy a purple lightsaber before it really kicks off. So I think that's amazing that he literally, like he said, dictated his, his, uh, his look and feel for the, for the movies. It's, it's awesome. Because to me, it was always like Sam L as Mace Windu was basically Sam L as Sam L as he is in every single, like, he's no different, you know, take a seat, young Skywalker, and you're just like, wait a second, what's got, this is just Samuel L. Jackson, like, he's one of those actors, like, you put Will Smith in a movie, he's Will Smith, yeah, you know? Yeah. You put, like, even, like, Kevin Smith, you put Kevin Smith in a movie, he's Kevin Smith. They're just some people that are just like that. And uh, oh, he's obviously one of them. And I just love this notion that like he, they had to write this full backstory for it because someone like us would look on Wikipedia and if it wasn't there, we'd just, we'd lose a rib. You know, it's one of those. So yeah, I think, you know, props to Sam L for having the balls to do that. And props to George Lucas for, for even putting him in the prequels, because this was what, 1999, Sam L had not really 
hit the big time. Then we always forget, I think, that Sam L hit the big time late in life. You know, he was like 40s, 50s when he started to really take off. And I think it was like Tarantino sort of stuff, wasn't it, that really helped him to pick that up. But he um, he wasn't that well known back in 99. So to be able to go in and demand that without the Sam L brand that he's got now, like, all right, yeah, you, you command some command some respect for that, Sam L. Well played. Well played, son. You go, you go and tell him exactly what you want. And he did, so he's awesome. Yeah, and, go uh, do what you want. That's it. And uh, there's a couple of things that are interesting on this. So we obviously we looked at uh, starwars.fandom.com, as you do all the time. There's there's the usual canon and legend stuff on there. Um, they, they just literally wrote a backstory for this. You know, the fact that this is uh, the, the one that we see in uh, The Phantom Menace and beyond is his second lightsaber. He had to construct another one. And that's the purple one that we see. Uh, we see that, that that Windu was, interestingly, one of the Jedi that was susceptible to shatter points, which is that I think Ezra was the same in Rebels as well, where he had visions of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Yoda, in fact, Dooku was like that as well, according to the book, I think, where and, you know people like Yoda would say, you know, in flux, the future is and all that kind of stuff leads to fear. And, and, and obviously, Anakin was the same with his dreams. And makes you think, doesn't it? Like, all right, Duke, uh, not Dooku, Windu, you've got uh, you've got this badass Shatterpoint skill. Didn't spot that giant big old Sith Lord, did you, for 15 years? <laughs> so might want to work on that one. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a miss, wasn't it? A bit of an oversight, a bit yeah. of an oversight. But, well, maybe uh, he just didn't think, maybe it was just one of those dreams like, oh, that was weird. I won't pay too much attention to that, though. I'll pay more attention to, like, if McDonald's are going to bring out their own sort of purple cheese Big Mac <laughs> at some point. That's more important rather than being slayed and thrown out of a window by you know, a secret Sith Lord. That's the other thing. Well, I don't know. Palpatine's very good at hiding his stuff. Well, exactly. Yes, he is. And apparently, this uh, this lightsaber, even though it threw out the window as, as at a, a breakneck speed, when Windu was thrown out of the window, apparently it was recovered by some salvagers uh, a year afterwards and given to Senator Sanosoro. So that's the uh, last known whereabouts of the purple lightsaber of Miss mm. Windu. Mm. One thing to consider also is that after they set up the story group and all that jazz, they started to put these little nuggets into various canon stories. Um, I don't know if you remember, I haven't read it, but I, I saw this information online. But I don't know if you remember when you were reading the Master and Apprentice book, apparently there's a there's a bit where um, uh, Obi-Wan um, is linking up with Princess Fanry. And he says to her, he, he's, he's talking to her about uh, constructing your lightsaber and the kyber crystals and all that stuff and that they bond with the jedi's inner force and that's what makes the the green or blue hue and stuff like that but he does say to her apparently uh, a few crystals uh, even turn purple so that it's kind of insinuates that mace window mace windu's lightsaber isn't unique to the galaxy there are other purple lightsabers um with other uh, jedis out there somewhere do you remember that bit in the book I do, and that is due to, apparently, the fact that rather than ditching and siphoning off the dark side and totally trying to ignore it and embracing the light, 
Apparently, this is where um, someone like Mace Windu gets so close to the dark side in battle that he actually draws upon, not necessarily draws upon some of the power from the dark side, but embraces that anger to a degree, which is what makes him such a formidable opponent. He was he was he was widely regarded, apparently, you know, as top one, two, three in terms of lightsaber combat. And apparently that's all down to this, which is why his lightsaber is purple. That's apparently where that comes from. So I do remember that. Yeah, it was, like you said, it was in the Master and Apprentice novel. So that team is the random spotlight, Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. So we're going to stick a pin in it as normal. This has been a fun episode. This always flies so quickly. We've been talking for 51 minutes, which always baffles me. So it's always a pleasure to chat to you guys. Guys, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Always good to be back as well. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you guys for uh, sticking with us and listening to episode 16. It's been awesome. We went through plenty of news this week. Good, good Star Wars news. Yeah, it's been a solid week, guys. So if you want to support us on Patreon, become a part of the tribe, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. And like I said, on all the social media channels, just hit us up. Just search for Spark Rebellion. We'll pop up over there. You'll see our very distinctive icon. So go ahead, hit us up over there. Let us know what you think of today's episode, what you think of Kylo Ren as an undercover agent, what you think of the ice cream maker, and just generally let us know what you think. And if you've got two minutes spare, give us a little rating and review to help other people find this show. Thank you so very much. Awesome stuff, buddy. Always great chatting Star Wars. And I'm glad we've cleared up the ice cream maker conundrum from The Empire Strikes Back. It's actually a safe, not an ice cream maker, but I think secretly it still makes ice cream. But there you go. Thank you very much for listening to episode 16. We'll be back next week for episode 17. So remember to drop a sub and a like in whatever podcast app you listen to so you don't miss a show and it goes out every Saturday. Until then, my name's Gary. And I have been Mark Windu. Have a great week. And uh, until then, may the force be with you always. Mark Windu.